what we do here is go back, 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 back. Sometimes you gotta move back to paradise to move forward. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald, rocking it solo for you guys uh, on this podcast at the moment. So, Andrew is in quite a busy time right now in his life. Uh, he is working on moving back up to paradise, back up north from the Bay Area. Sometimes you got to move back to paradise to move forward. That's just how it works. It just works like that sometimes. I don't make the rules. But... That being said, he is moving this weekend, so this week is very packed for him right now. Literally very packed with packing things into boxes and moving trucks. So I'm rocking it solo, just going to do this quick little intro uh, before we piece in an interview we did. Uh, I believe it was last year, and because it's draft season, we want to be able to continue to bring you draft content. Now, this is prior draft content, right? Prior content when the quarterback class was a little more flavorful, a little better, a little more of something that people were excited about. So we are going to have this interview right now with Connor Rogers. Uh, You guys probably remember the interview. You've probably heard it before, but it's one of the best interviews we've had. One of the more fun interviews we've had. As we always talk about state, the guys from Stick to Football, all of them are great. We've uh, been lucky enough to talk to Connor and to Mello, but he's doing a lot of great things, uh, still moving forward with a lot of his podcasts and the things that he was do- he's was he been doing. And then that we talked about uh, with him as he was kind of moving on and starting this next venture. So we figured we'd bring this episode back to you guys so you can listen to it, get some draft content out there and uh, give us the ability to prep for next week. Uh, We're going to work on doing a lot more in-person episodes now, so get you guys a little bit better content, better quality content, uh, and kind of just keep going with this positional comparison. Some things that are of interest for the Raiders, you know, positions that are interest of the Raiders. So uh, We hope you guys like this. We will uh, be back next week for you uh, with more of that current draft stuff. Before we get into the interview, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know who this episode is brought to you by, and that is, as always, DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still join the College Hoops actions with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Alrighty, um, welcome everyone. Um, you know, really exciting interview here. We got Connor Rogers on the podcast. Connor, thanks for jumping on. Um, just a quick rundown as far as your background is concerned. You know, got started with the Jets, covering them. Um, you're a lead NFL draft analyst for Bleacher Report. You also have a podcast that's so Mets. I, I don't know what to say about the New York teams at this point, but you know, I'm you know really happy to have you on, um, and you know, excited to be here, man. Thanks, guys. Well, you could you could sit, be honest and say they're bad. I mean, right? It's it's you know, and it kind of coincides with my job doing the draft, where it's like, oh, you know, the Giants are in first place last time I checked. So let's not let's not be too mean to all these teams. There is a four win first place team in Watch New out. York, but yeah, look out for those New York Giants and Colt McCoy right now, folks. But yeah, I you know, it's um, 
it's been kind of kind of a weird year in a way. It's exciting that the Jets might have the number one overall pick. I know a lot of Jets fans are probably not thrilled at the thought of a winless season, but you got to take away the good from some of the bad times. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on we'll touch on some Jets and some NFL draft talk here. Um, but I wanted to start with you know kind of how we started um, a little bit. So we've been doing this podcast. Um, we started this year, so um, we were actually heading out to tailgate tour stick to football uh, mike and i both listened to it since since the beginning uh, matt miller and you you know kind of got it rolling and then I, I know Mello jumped on later towards the end of it but so we we're heading out to so we're on the west coast right so we we went out to stanford and we're like man we got to find a, a way to get out to these guys it's just you know it was it was a monday wednesday friday it helped my shitty commute in the bay area we listen to stick to football religiously um, and, and really a lot of our, our takes and, and feeling just between him and I, you know, we're based off of you guys because um, what, what's cool about it is, is I started the podcast game as far as just listening goes with move the sticks. So Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Um, and, I, and I really liked it um, because it was like a scout's point of view. Right. And, and I felt like it was a, um, a different way to look at the game and analyze the game because it was just strictly off that. And, and I think a lot of what it still happens today, but you know, when I was listening, it was just a lot of um, favoritism towards, towards certain teams or franchises. And it was, it was based off of history. And it was just like, that's not really the state of the state, you know, it's, it's like, so when I started listening to those guys, I was like, cool, it's actually like um, sub- subjective in a sense where they can just analyze teams and, and needs and players. And then when I started listening to you guys, I was like, okay, I kind of fucking, I fuck with these guys in, in a sense. You know, it was like, these guys are just like, it's, it's like super knowledgeable. You guys are obviously very good at your job, but also just people that you can relate to. So um, that's what really, you know, if you guys haven't heard this, but that's kind of what drew me into it because it just seemed like, you know, guys that, that knew what they were talking about, but also are, are relatable and can just say that, you know, the fucking jets suck, you know, or like the Niners, you know, Garoppolo is terrible, you know, like, which everyone knows, but people don't want to admit, but anyways, I digress. We're heading out to Stanford. You know, Mike is like, Hey dude, like, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I was like, you know, everyone kind of has a podcast, you know, and and I'm just not like big on social media, you know, and I'm starting to get there. Um, I just got a Twitter by the way. So, you know, have one tweet, overall, um, five likes. So if you're interested in, in growing your clout and, and your followers, I would, I would recommend following me because I have five likes currently. So we're out there um, and, and he's like, Hey, like, what do you think about it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. We're kind of bouncing around. And then we ended up circling back this year. And he's like, dude, let's like, we talk about the Raiders so much, like, let's just get on audio. Um, and so this is kind of his deal. And he's been writing for the Raiders just blog baby. Um, and he, he was doing that for the last couple of years. And, and, and it, it was a good way to kind of grow his brand a little bit. Um, and I was like, dude, if you want me to just BS about the Raiders, I'm down, you know? Um, so we kind of started there, you know, really we, you know, we started doing some preview pod, but I think we started in training camp, kind of got out of, about like post draft essentially and, and saying like, Hey, state of the state, the roster, things like that. And then we started getting into our preview pod with, with the games as we, as we started with the Panthers and whatnot. So it's been, it's been fun. Um, you know, we appreciate you jumping on, but as it relates to stick to football, I know you guys just, just closed it out. Um, I was sad to see it go. Um, but how was that? Um, what was it like for you within your career and, and what was it overall for you? Yeah. I mean, it, it was probably the first, you know, I say this like kind of laughing about it, but I'm, I'm serious too. Like it was probably the first real successful thing I did in my career, or at least that was, you know, very front facing because when I got to Bleacher Report, uh, I started out as just a research assistant. I was 22 um, at the time. And, you know, for me, everything I did was behind the scenes and, and sure there's things I'm proud of, you know, there was day-to-day stuff that went well. And, and I worked with a lot of great people, but like, you're still behind the scenes. And, and then I went, I became an AP an associate producer and worked on the draft, but behind the scenes and everything was like, you know, some people want to like live their careers, you know, making TV or making content and producing. And, and that, that's great. Like, and I thought that's where I would top out. And when stick to football started, because Matt really needed a co-host and I had a relationship with Matt and we both worked at Bleacher Report. And quite frankly, you know, there was probably only two people in the company at that time that can go in depth on the draft like that. Cause this was a different time. Like, right. you know, this is almost four years ago. You know, and now the draft community is just, it's amazing where there's 9,000 pods, maybe 9 million, uh, you know, websites and good Twitter accounts and every, I mean, 
a million people go to the draft when there's not a pandemic. But this was a time where, and you led, you led this off very well. It was move the sticks, right? Like that, that was it. And it is a different show because it's, you know, Bucky and DJ are, are scouts and there's a lot of things that they do better than us. And I'll say that all the time, but there's also things that since I wasn't in the league, I, I don't want to say like bad habits, but just different viewpoints of things. Or like you said, sometimes you just call it how it is. Cause Bleacher Report didn't put a filter on us. Like yeah. if I thought a GM sucked at his job and somehow talked into getting, keeping that job for eight years, you're sitting there and going, you're a fan of this team. You should not be happy about this right now. So it, it was really awesome because, like I said, it was something that, you know, me and Matt made 50-50 down the middle that it felt like I had ownership in it. It felt like when I was recording that day, it was like, you know, the first time where it's, I felt like I was on air and I, I would go in with a lot of energy and things to say. And then eventually when we went on camera, I'd go into a studio three times a week. We traveled a ton, as you guys know. So it was such a constant, right? It's actually now that the show's over, I've, my days kind of are a little like chaotic and they'll get back to normal, especially with the draft coming up again already. But it's like, I'm working on different projects and trying to get new projects off the ground because I'd really like to start another draft podcast very shortly. But it's, you know, it was such a constant and um, it, it was cool to see something really start out as, hey, let's do this for fun. Even everyone at the company will tell you, they're like, oh, you know, you do it and see where it goes and turn into something that, you know, had a great, great uh, listener base. And it was even cooler that we actually got to go out and meet our listeners. You know, I, I'm from New York, Matt's from Missouri, but we got to go out to the West Coast. We got to go overseas to London. We got to go down to Texas multiple times. Like that's, that's stuff that I'll personally never forget. And I think it also taught me a lot of different things about the job because as it grew, uh, you know, I found out like scouts, and league guys, not all of them, but uh, some of them were listening and they would reach out and say, Hey, I love the show. Like, I think you're wrong here, or I think you're right here. And it's like, here I was just a kid from New York, never worked in the national football league. And I wanted to, but quite frankly, if you don't have the connections, like I'm from a family of firefighters, like I'm not getting into the national football league. Like <laughs> they don't have connections to the NFL. I sat in the Meadowlands when I was like four years old, I could barely freaking run up and down the steps. That's like, that's as far as I got, or as close as I got. So it, it was a way for me to get in, in a sense, to doing this full time. And I, I've, I'm forever grateful for that. And I think I'm excited now to also see, you know, that was phase one, right, of maybe 20 in my life, in my career. I'm excited to see where this goes next. Yeah. And that's cool, man. I mean, and, and really you could tell how it evolved over the years and you guys kind of just started and just like, Hey, let's see how it goes. And then it really evolved into a good following as far as, you know, your fans are concerned. And then it, you know, then it became tailgate tours and it became, you know, you guys going to, I think it was Browns jets at Monday night football or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like worst it, game it just, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't, you know, I'm not going to judge on that, but you know, that's how, but it, it was cool. It was cool to see how it went. And then definitely like just um, you know, you probably, it, it's hard to gauge because there's probably a lot of folks that reached out with questions and things like that. And that you're like, okay, people are listening, but like, there were a lot of people like myself where I, I listened, you know, religiously, but I, I didn't interact a ton, but it was just cool. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it, it's just nice to get a different opinion and, and definitely someone that, you know, two guys that are able to just dive into it and say, Hey, this is our thoughts, dude. And, and like, I don't give a shit if you agree with me or not, but this is what it is. You know, I think that's the hard part of any anyone that's you know really dedicated to their team is the fact that they're just like naive and they're like no we're you know whatever but like just call it what it is and and, and whatever so I think it was just like it was just real and it was relatable and I and I just it was it was something that honestly like I mentioned kind of brought this podcast together wherever this goes you know who knows but we both have our day jobs too you know so but it, it was cool and, and I just you know I want to thank you for that because it was it was beneficial and, and, and help my, my shitty commute in the Bay area. So, yeah. And it just was very relatable. I think that's the biggest thing is like right. he said, just someone you could relate to, you know, call it like it is and, and not have to worry about, you're going to make someone mad by saying something or, you know what I mean? It's just, this is it. It's like, yeah, I think that same way too. And I'm glad someone says it. Yeah. And that was my favorite part too, is like, you know, either people tweeting at us, writing iTunes reviews, or, you know, when I got more not into Instagram, but on Instagram, because it's a pretty open forum Instagram with the messaging that like, you could just interact with everyone and be like, you know, and I, I think my favorite was even people that 
maybe didn't agree. There was always two things. One, if I said something that I thought was maybe people wouldn't like and people message you and go, wow, I'm glad you said that. Like the most recent example, and unfortunately the last example is when the Bucks signed Antonio Brown, which is mm -hmm. a complete joke. And yeah. nobody still is talking about it that has a national platform, which is also a complete joke. And Bruce Arians, the champion of women, uh, apparently it, it allowed this to go under his watchful eye. Like, and Tom Brady, everybody's favorite quarterback that can never be insulted by the media, even yeah. though he, he also has his his warts in life. Like that was something that people reached out to me in there. And like we had a, what something that was crazy about six football or at least surprising to me was just the the range of audience we had, whether it was like every fan base or whether it was the international audience or I don't know, just everything. And I think that was cool. People, people are like, Hey, I'm glad you said this because no one else is. Or number two, people that hated the take, but would have a rational conversation with you. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that doesn't exist anymore in the world. And I thought stick to football. Don't get me wrong. There was days I remember. So when we started doing a lot of video content and it would go in the bleach report app, which, you know, our team at bleach report has done such a nice job with it, It's where it's like almost a, a social media platform you'd wake up and you'd have like 90 notifications. Cause I had notifications on for the app and people would be like, you know, like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> like my team's the best. And yeah. I'm just like, and then they say like things over the top and I'm like, okay, like, but there are a lot of people that are super rational, um, especially in the stick to football audience that would have fun with it. You know, as you guys know, like I do bets, like fun bets with listeners about games. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. We had, there's one listener we have, he's a Lions fan. And every year, me and him have a bet over who will win more games, the Lions or the Jets. And, like, <laughs> the Lions or the Jets, like, don't get more than three to four wins. It so it's, like, the most – it's the most pathetic great bet ever. Uh, that's the stuff that, like – and, you know, like I said, it's – just because stick to football went away doesn't mean that, like, that will ever go away from my style. But it's something right. from the show that was – yeah, it, it was really fun. Well, yeah, and that's actually a really good segue because um, you and I made a bet when we are in Stanford. And – so the bet was the Raiders jets. And it's ironic that, you know, last time I saw your face, which is a weird thing to say to another guy, but the last time <laughs> I saw you was at Stanford and, and we bet on the Raiders game and the Raiders jets game. And you're like, Hey, just give me a good review, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, if I win, like I, I need some swag or whatever. And so if you don't remember the uh, jets just kicked the shit out of the Raiders and it was really awesome because they're six and four, the jets had nothing to play for and then derailed the Raiders season. And I didn't write your review, but this is me paying it back. And I, I want you to know that you did a really good job on stick to football. So that's my review. Um, so I, I feel Fair like our bets uh, is, is, are we, are we squared up now? <laughs> yeah, I think we're squared up. I think I'm going to avoid uh, doing a second bet this year because the jets can't score more than three points with Sam Darnold, <laughs> but um, man. And, and it's, it's funny with the rate, like stick to football as well. You know, like I said, it was amazing. The wide range of audience we had, but the Raiders were absolutely in, like top five most interacting fan bases because you got to realize like there was teams I always called it like the stick to football teams like the teams that rebuilt while stick to football was going on because they traded and got like a million first round picks or something mm -hmm. like that and like so for me like you had the Browns a lot at one point in time it stinks that the show's not going on anymore because the Jets this was their yeah. year <laughs> yeah, so it's like exactly. I really can't explain that like how angry I am about that aspect of it um, the Dolphins, but the Raiders, absolutely, after the Khalil Mack deal. And, you know, which was something that, you know, was just – and Gruden. I mean, there was so much excitement. And Raiders fans, you know, you have your Raiders fans that absolutely, like like any fan base, think they're going to be good every year. But then you also had your Raiders fans that were like, no, like we need to build this up the right way through the draft mm -hmm. and, like, leaned on sixth football. So, yeah, always felt close to the Raiders fan base. And um, it was, like, kind of ironic when that terrible Jets team, like, yeah. Just beat the crap out of them last oh, year because I'm sitting there and I was still in yeah still in California when the game was on. I actually went up to Napa for the first time ever. I was watching oh, on my oh, phone and I'm I'm like I'm like this makes no like it yeah. actually made me mad because you guys made Adam Gates look like a genius for right. one day, and then our owners our owner decided to bring him back this year and that's why the team is not going to win a football game now. So yeah, here we are. Well, yeah, exactly. That was it's art of the deal. You know, we we got you guys there, so you might have won, but you know. Yeah, we, we won the battle, we lost the war. As yeah, that's say. right. That's right. Um, well, last thing on stick to football, um, you know, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think happened more, in your opinion, Matt 
as far as his humble brags are concerned, do you think that happened more or do you think hating Baker Mayfield top that? Where, where would you gauge? I would go with humble bragging more because you probably don't realize how many there are. Sometimes they were mm-hmm. so subtle, yeah. I would say. So I would go with that. Uh, Baker, <laughs> I really enjoyed when they had like their little spats on Twitter while the show was going on because then I knew like if I brought up Baker Mayfield, it was like me just throwing a stick of dynamite in between the microphones exactly. every time I wanted to. Like it was just a way to, to rile them up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the humble brags absolutely top that. I mean, I don't know if we ever discussed this on air, but we had gotten to the point where we were going to like make a tip jar where like, like Matt, if Matt like humble bragged, like he would owe like not a dollar, like five dollars <laughs> because it was just like, OK, we need to we need to jack this thing up. We never ended up doing it. Uh, I guess we, we took for granted the time. Yeah, but I, I wish we I wish we did. <laughs> no, it, it's it's class. And, and like it's it's deserved. You know, the dude's very well connected and, and whatnot. You know, it was, it was just it was funny because you guys made a joke of it. And, and he's also like he can make fun of himself. too. So it was it was always fun to. Oh, he ran with it. I think it became like a, a shtick at some point. Like it was definitely a bit where it was like he did it. But then also like he's like, OK, now I can do it whenever I want. Yeah. Everybody wants it. Exactly. No, that's cool. Um, well, as, as far as the NFL draft is concerned, um, it's just a weird year, you know, obviously with everything going on. Um, and when everything happened, um, you know, I, I was considering doing a draft on draft question. But in my opinion, with with how um, the, the certain conferences aren't playing, right, and then you have certain players opting out, things like that, I feel like that would be actually a good, um, a good thing for people that actually know the draft and actually know how to evaluate players like do you think the the way that there's like certain players are playing and certain teams are playing but do you think that gives you a competitive edge because you actually watch the film and diagnose these players to make it more valuable or do you think you know it's always going to go how it goes and and you're going to have the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays but I, I think they're fine you know but I do think you know it. some like we talked about it's a little outdated as far as their perspective like do you think it's an advantage because you have been tracking these players and you have been evaluating them for so long. Yeah, I do. And, and, you know, a question I get a lot that, that I've been getting a lot this probably this fall is when it started. A lot of people would sit there and go, Hey, is this a bad year to have a lot of draft picks or is this a bad year to be picking in the top 10? And I sit there and I go, it's not the case. Like when you look at it, this is a good draft. Now, is it more difficult to get a pulse on this draft at times? Absolutely. Because, I mean, you guys know this. We're going to have the case where, you know, Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell haven't played football in a long time. And somebody's going to go out there. And it's it doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that people are going to forget how special those guys were. And they're going to say, well, maybe they're not that good. Or maybe they're second round players or it's actually happening with Trey Lance right now, to be completely honest with you. And I I love Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and even Zach Wilson on BYU, you know, and you can make an argument that Kyle Trask and Mac Jones have done a lot of done themselves a lot of favors moving up in this draft. But like, let's not act like Trey Lance isn't still a top five pick. And for whatever reason, people are sitting here, not even discussing him, uh, not even you know, talking about him as potentially going number two or number three overall. So it's a year where recency bias is going to be heightened or, or magnified, you know, times 10. And recency bias is, a, is the devil with the draft. I mean, it, it really can be uh, a hell of a drug. And I think that's a big problem. I think number two, there are going to be players that you simply have one year of film on. And I mean, the last guy I remember this notably happening to, and it happens every year with multiple guys, but the one I always think of is Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, with Mitch, did I think he was the best quarterback in that class? No, I I thought Watson clearly was because of Watson's resume and his talent and the league moving more towards guys that thrive out of structure. But I thought Trubisky was a good quarterback prospect in a sense where it's like, no, I think he he's played his way into the first round that year. And you had one year of tape. You don't have as much to diagnose flaws. There's just a lot of issues across the board where it it can, it can cheat you, right? You can, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely miss on certain things. And you also learn from those things as well, as you guys probably hear my lovely sirens going off in the city that never stop. But uh, listen, it's like I said, there's a lot of different things you have to navigate. Like, do I know if we'll be at the senior bowl this year? And I'm not saying the senior bowl dictates if I get a good pulse on the draft class or not, but it helps a lot. 
Definitely. You know, I don't I don't know that right now. We're sitting here in the middle of a pandemic, you know, and and certain people might be granted to go. They haven't announced, you know, the magnitude of the media that can go. And, um, you know, we all have different work protocols. We each have to get through our individual companies to make sure we could travel. So there's there's different hurdles this year. But what I will say is I'm trying to talk more about the good of this draft class. This is the most I've ever been home for a draft like mm-hmm. last year. From about the middle of August to the SEC championship, I was on the road almost every weekend. I would get to the airport on Friday. I would try to come home at the crack of dawn on Sunday. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, the flights just don't exist to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So right. so this year, I haven't been traveling because of the pandemic. There's no reason to. I, that's like three more days a week that I could watch players. And yeah, that's, that's a game changer. So I, I feel like my pulse on this draft... Uh, will be just as good as any other year, but you're just navigating different hurdles and you're not really meeting face-to-face with league-wide execs and scouts as much. It's you, You're going to have to work with your region as much as you can, and you're going to make sure you get those beers outside uh, right now. Yep. So there's just different hurdles. And I, I think if anything we'll see this year, you know, biases will definitely come into effect more than ever and we're going to learn who can really scout not round one because anybody sitting in this room or anybody sitting anywhere could tell you Jalen Waddle's a good player right like Trevor Lawrence is a good player (laughs) but can those guys find starting wide receivers in round three in a year where that wide receiver might not have even played a game that's what we're going to figure out And, and I think part of that I said to somebody back in July because, and there wasn't like somebody that works in the industry. It was like a family member that was panicking. They're like, what are you going to do? Like this year is going to be terrible. And I'm like, I look at it as a challenge in a way where like everybody can, you know, it's nut cutting time, right? Like you're either gonna, like you're either going to step up and show that like, you don't need everything to be perfect to succeed in it. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think to your point, it's, it's, it's easy to just say like, Hey, this is Jalen Waddle's good or Trevor Lawrence is good. And, and you can do your first round mock 12.0, whatever you want to do. But like you're the, the tough part about your job is you got to go seven rounds, you know, and you got to be able to, you know, accurately identify those needs and be able to uh, map out these prospects that, that, you know, you don't have a ton of film on, but you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's good that you're taking it as a challenge and, and really it's, you got a couple more days on your schedule here so that you can actually dive into it. So that's cool. So as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, because everyone likes talking about that, you know, we have Trevor Lawrence. He's the guy, obviously, you know, there's Trey Lance, uh, there's Wilson out of BYU. And then, then you have Kyle Trask. Um, I, why do I hate Kyle Trask? Like, why, why is this dude like a thing right now? Because I watched him last year and, and I think he was it. It's that French dude's name at Florida who he replaced last year um, that ended up transferring, but like, yeah, he's, he's French, right? He has to be, you know, whatever, but like, what's his deal? Like, I know Miller loves him, but like, what's your take on Kyle Trask? Well, I've become, you know, I've really changed the way I evaluate quarterbacks over the years. And I think it's for the better uh, where, and, and you know, sometimes it's for the worse, right? Like I had Justin Herbert, you know, somewhere in the top of the second round last year. And that's like a complete miss because the guy looks like, I mean, things change, right? I mean, who knows? I think Herbert's going to be good for a long time, but guys are one-year wonders. We'll see. But right now, Herbert has earned every bit of the way of being a top 10 pick. He's playing lights out. So I've become more of a stickler with quarterbacks lately where I'm not just going to put everyone in the first round because if you're going to be drafted in the first round as a quarterback, my expectations for you most of the time are is that you should be a, a franchise passer. You should have the ceiling to be in the top 12 of the quarterbacks in the league. You should be able to win your team games when they need you to win games. Not everything has to be perfect in structure. And what I mean by that is, you know, I look at like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. They're guys that have played at a top 12 level at times in their careers and everything was perfect in the structure around them at those times. And when things are not, they play more like guys in the 20s. And is that worth $30 million a year, $35 million a year? Absolutely not, because once you pay them that, it's a good chance that the structure won't be perfect because you run out of money to spend on the offense. So it's I look at this quarterback class, and the big thing I've been telling people is, You need to be able to play out of structure, basically, to thrive in today's NFL. And it doesn't mean you have to run like Lamar Jackson. If you can, great. 
there's five and two guys that have ever done that, Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. So right. I, I think when you look at it, what I mean by that is look at all the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes, bit of an outlier there. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, even Josh Allen has played at a very high level this year. Kyler Murray has played at a very high level this year. I don't think he's in the MVP race as much as people want him to be, but when at the height of his career, Big Ben was a guy that played very well when the play breaks down. Mm-hmm. The guys at the top of this class all do that. Trevor Lawrence, phenomenal at it. Justin Fields, phenomenal at it. Trey Lance, same thing. Zach Wilson, same thing. The guys that don't, but are in the first round for people, not for me. Kyle Trask, and I think Trask is okay at it at college. I don't think it'll translate to the next level. I think he could play in structure. Mac Jones, not a first-round player for me. So yeah. when you look at it, you it's tough. Those guys are pocket passers. Like in, in 2002, like Kyle Trask and Mac Jones might be top five picks. And, and I just don't right. think the league is like that anymore. I mean, look at Jared Goff right now, right? A player that I did like. Jared Goff looks like an MVP candidate when the pass protection is lights out and everything's schemed up for him and the first read is clicking and he's just making touch throws to all three levels of the field. The second something breaks down, he doesn't look like a starter. That's like such a wide variance. And I think that's my fear with taking Trask in the first round, taking Mac Jones in the first round. I don't think the uh, physical tools are on a high spectrum for those guys that you sit there and go, I'm going to bet my franchise on these guys. If you take them on day two and you sit them and develop them and you, maybe you get something there, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But if you take them in round one, you are telling everyone else, this is the guy, this is our guy moving forward. I could do that for the other four. I can't really do that for Trask and Mac Jones right now. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point. And, and then that's, um, so I, as I mentioned, I, I just recently joined Twitter and I was like, I'm going to like get into some shit here. Right. And I'm going to start just like arguing with people. And, and one of the things, the first things I got into was it was, uh, love that. <laughs> Chris Sims. It's my worst nightmare, but I love that. <laughs> well, and, and, that, and I told Mike on this and on the podcast, so I'm like, dude, I don't know how this works. Like, do I'm like, can I just fucking say whatever? And then, so I like said something to this dude who's like Steeler gang, 69 420 10 and 0 whatever whatever it was and he was like big ben is so underrated how do you have it was chris sims's podcast it was like his power rankings of his quarterbacks or some stupid thing right and and i was like dude like it's all about quarterbacks you have to evaluate them as like can they do more with less can they do more when the pocket breaks down or or is it just about having you know big ben as four not legit receivers but four very talented receivers on the side and then you have deshaun watson who is throwing to no one you know it's like it's it's running for his life (laughs) yeah and you have to evaluate it that way so i think that's what sticks out with trask and mac jones is like dude bama's had what they it's it's a revolving door with legit wide receivers that come in so yeah can you pump fake it to you know Najee harris shout out bay area by the way but can you pump fake it that because then you have eight guys in the box and hit you know, someone deep that's wide open. Yeah. Congrats. You know, but it's like, you have to evaluate it as, as true talent. So they either have to be highly athletic to be able to escape the pocket or they have to be able to just rip it. And, and I don't think Trask can really rip it. It's not like Joe Burrow. Cause I think Joe Burrow is a great prospect, but like he doesn't have elite arm strength. It was basically his anticipation timing, being able to avoid things similar to big Ben within the pocket, but make the right decision. So anyways, I, we could probably talk about quarterbacks for, you know, the next three hours, but you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting year, but I think as much as it's it's such a quarterback needy um, NFL right now where people move off of Josh Rosen so fast to get Kyler Murray, and that's great that it worked out, but like that could also set you back for the next three or four years, like you mentioned with the money and the guarantee that, or, or what you're putting out there is saying, hey, this is our guy, you know, and so I think it's, it's like, I, it's, it's like a double-edged sword in a sense, you know, when you do try to evaluate and you do try to make those decisions, so well, I guess. Well, I think it's I think it's interesting not to cut you no, off. I had a conversation recently where, you know, I, I kind of gave the same rant where I'm like, listen, I, I would if I was a team that needed a quarterback, I would probably, you know, stick my foot out there for, you know, Fields, Lawrence, Lance and Wilson. And, and I had somebody that works in the league say back to me, like they're like, I like Trey Lance. They're like would you put your job on the line for somebody that beat up on FCS teams for one year and that you haven't seen this year do it again and you haven't seen him play against that top competition? And I sat there and go, it's a fair point, right? Like 
if you're you get one shot usually Steve Kime it's like unbelievable that he got two shots back-to-back years like with Rosen and Murray but you know most people don't get that lucky you usually get to pick one quarterback and then that's it so uh, you know I would with Trey Lance but that's the question and the deterring factor that will exist first and the same thing will exist for Zach Wilson as well yeah. because he'll measure in he'll measure in like 6-1 uh, not very heavy. He'll get the Johnny Manziel comparisons on the field, not off the field. And, hopefully. and that'll be something as well. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. From, uh, from BYU. I know. Be <laughs> yeah. How many missions has he gone on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's something that, that GMs and guys are going to ask before they, they draft these guys in the top 10. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it's tough because like, Hey, I know you need your guy, but it, it's so situational. And that's, what's hard about your job, dude, is like, is, is you have to make these evaluations and calls on these players and kind of put your stamp on it when it would be complete and, and move the sticks talks about this a lot. Actually. It's like, it's different if you're just representing the jets, then you can make the call because you know, personnel, you know, fit, you know, scheme, all those things. Right. But then you're going to be like, well, no, Hey, this is my stamp on a guy. And based off of where he goes, people are going to be like, you're an idiot. And it's like, what? Like, no, like I told, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just hard to, anyway, yeah. it's hard to evaluate. I don't, I, I envy you, but I also don't envy you in that sense because like people are going to call you back in a sense. But, um, but no, I think you have to limit the people that you can put your, put your stamp on and, and kind of go with, you know? So Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, obviously is, is, is easy, not easy, but it's like, you feel good about that. And everyone else, it has to be situational. You have to evaluate what's around them and, putting them in the best position for success, you know? So cool. Well, do you, um, so the jets are a team, um, currently in the NFL and, and they're, you know, barely hanging on by a thread, you know, they're a team. huge, um, huge Wayne Quebec guy as a kid, you know, I thought he was, he was awesome. If that means anything to you. Um, but state of the state, probably sick of talking about Sam Darnold, but I think it's a little, it's, it's annoying to be like, Oh, like, Hey, instead of Trevor Lawrence, what if you do these 18 other things and then surround Sam or whatever? It's like, if, if you have the number one pick, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. And we don't even need to talk about that. But hypothetically, let's say you do beat teams throughout the year. I'm not going to say it's the Raiders because you hopefully you don't. Um, but like, let's say you don't have the number one pick. Is that is it still the call to go a Justin Fields or Trey Lance? In your, and let's say you have two or three. Right. And Trevor Lawrence is gone. What do you do as the Jets? You take the quarterback and people are, you know, driving themselves crazy over this. But the problem is a couple, there's a couple different things here. One, you know, and I know people hate hearing this, but Joe Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And now you have to wonder, is Joe Douglas going to stake his career, his legacy on a quarterback that he didn't draft? that quite frankly has not done enough to warrant, you know, being the franchise guy right now. And Joe Douglas didn't hire Adam Gase. So a lot of people are in the thought process that Adam Gase broke and ruined Sam Darnold. I think it's Gase is the worst coach I've seen in a long time. But even with that being said, Darnold is still doing the dumb things he did in college. He did as a rookie. He did as in his second year where the offense doesn't help him. The talent hasn't helped him. The coaching hasn't helped him, but he hasn't helped himself either. So when all those things are factored in, I, I know Darnold's going to get a second chance somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's the, the Niners, you know, the Colts, the Steelers, there's a lot of different places. And I hope he does well. And I hope he gets developed the way that that talent could. But what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, Darnold's got a reputation as being like a Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, you know, this lock is the number one pick. We all know the story on draft day. He ends up, you know, going number three overall, which shocked everyone. When I evaluated Darnold that year, I had him like 24th Mm. in that draft. I saw a player that could be a top 10 quarterback in the league. I saw a guy that could be out of the league in four years. The variance with him was all over the place because of the turnovers, because of the decision-making. So I think, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. I think there's a lot of factors why, and they're not all on Sam Darnold. Mm And I think it's best for both sides for this marriage to end because Darnold will get a better chance somewhere else. And Joe Douglas wants to build the roster on a rookie quarterback contract. You're going to have to make a decision soon with Sam Darnold, as crazy as that sounds. It was a quick three years. So 
are the Jets going to be picking one or two again in the next couple of years? If you're Joe Douglas, you're sitting there and going, well, we better not or else yeah, I'm not going to have not. a job. <laughs> so you don't you don't think like that as right. much as people make their jokes and be like, they're the Jets. Yeah, they will. And actually, the, the Jets are actually terrible at this. They never bottom out all the way. They always pick like six. They pick <laughs> six like five times in the last 10 years. And the year they got Darnold, they had to move up. So they traded all of their picks for the future six to, to three, get it. Right? And that's why their roster was terrible, six to three. So moral of the story, long story short, you know, they're going to take a quarterback. I mean, for me, I probably will have Justin Fields and Trey Lance graded higher than I had Darnold coming out. And it's not a recency bias thing. I mean, the, the rankings are on the internet. People can go see. So you want to build that thing up with your rookie quarterback, even if it's not Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I saw the probability of them picking one, it's like 70%, two, it's like 20%. So it's like almost impossible for them to pick beyond the first two picks. Yeah. Uh, and don't change that this week. Yeah. I don't want Do to not, that. Yeah. So, so, and even here's the thing, like that people that I've seen, like people make Twitter threads where they trade back and get like 90 draft picks. <laughs> I'm like, number one, there's still a salary cap. Like draft picks still cost yeah. money, but two, more importantly, you could, you could have an, an all-star line and two new receivers and a running back. And what if Sam Darnold's still bad right. next year? Like that, that possibility exists. So it, it's tough. It's not easy. There's emotional attachment because the Jets didn't have a quarterback with his raw talent in, a, in ages. But I think people have to understand it just hasn't worked out. And the Jets are going to move on. And it's going to be a new era for them. Yeah. No, and it, it, it's, it's a weird variance because it's like, there, there's a case to be made about like, hey, supporting, who do you have supporting you? Who Do you have the right talent around? Do you have the right scheme and things like that? And then there's also like, you got to call it what it is. So it's like Darnold didn't get any favors with a shitty offensive line. Makai um, Becton looks great, by the way. But also like, it's like, he doesn't have a ton of talent and things like that. But then it's like, we've also seen enough to call it what it is, you know? And that's kind of what you're saying is like, dude, he's still making the same things. He's not developing. And, and it's just, you got to cut it once in a while. So best of luck in that in that sense and and i hope that the jaguars don't top you there Ruin with things. mike mike lennon yeah. you know he's you know really long neck um so watch out for that guy but they're trying to tank as well um well as as far as you know we got the raiders jets and then that's you know once again we made that bet last year that didn't work out in my favor um i think Micah, you wanted to preview that a little bit yeah so um you know going into this raiders are six and five jets are zero and eight Oh, oh, and 10, and then, yeah. oh, and 10. Sorry. Oh, 10 now. We weren't yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, life comes at you fast. Uh, so the Raiders need big win here to help, you know, head towards their playoff push. Jets need a big loss here to stay uh, in first place for Trevor Lawrence, which is exactly the reason none of those things are going to happen. So what are, uh, what are your thoughts on the game? And I guess like, you know, with the odd chance, both teams break our hearts and the Jets come out with a win. Uh, how does that happen? Well, we're at the point of the year where everybody has like all the good teams have their letdown games at some point in, in a four week stretch. And I, I feel good that the Raiders got theirs out of the way, honestly, like the, it just happens, right? You you have a week, an off week or, you know, Carr is a guy that, I mean, quite frankly, has proven me very wrong this year, but he, he is a guy that's due at times for a bad week and uh, things just go wrong. And, and the Raiders have a young, I said this before the year, cause I didn't think the Raiders would be a playoff team. And I only really had two reasons why, because I like, I've liked their drafts. I like John Gruden. Like I like their offensive line and I didn't trust Derek Carr. And I thought the defense was young and developing. And when you have a young developing defense, that, that's a tough ride in that division, right? Like you play the chiefs twice and they beat them once, which is just remarkable. And, you know, the chargers have found ways to blown games, but I thought they'd be better than, than from terms of their record of what they are. And then the Broncos have just been dismantled by injuries and, and quite frankly, just not very good. So, you know, credit to the Raiders. They, they've been very good this year. Um, they've overachieved in a lot of areas. Number one, with that being Derek Carr, most importantly, and spreading the ball around. And, and I think, let's be real, they got their letdown game out of the way. The Jets are worse right now with Sam Darnold. It's like Joe Flacco pretty much almost, almost beat the Patriots. I don't even know how they lost that game, but thank God they did. Yeah. Um, almost beat the Patriots. He's played pretty well. Darnold comes back and you watch the film and he's just missing wide open guys down the field for easy points. So I don't think this will be a close game. I think the jets have a pretty stout front where the Raiders will probably come out and try to run the ball. And, you know, with Josh Jacobs, who's one of the best young backs in the league. And I think that it'll take a little while to get that going. 
because, like I said, the defensive line led by Quinn and Williams has been pretty good. But if they let Carr throw, I mean, the Jets are starting like three rookie corners and a rookie safety. I think this is a game where they could throw at will. And quite frankly, I just don't think the Jets offense can get anything going. I mean, you're looking at kind of like a 27 to 6, 27 to 10 kind of game where, you know, I, I know as you guys, because all fans have to feel this way, but especially Raiders fans in a sense, you know, and you're going, you're traveling across the country, which we saw what happened last year when they did that. And you never know how the weather is going to be over here this time of year. This is not the time of year you want to come over here. But I know you're expecting the letdown, but I think it was last week. I think they got it behind them. I think they have the right coach to kind of get through that. And I think if the offensive line is is healthy, because I know that's been a roller coaster for you guys for bizarro reasons, uh, it, it's a game that they should control and should win. Because quite frankly, the Jets just can't get anything going on offense where even on teams' worst days, right? Like the Jets have gotten a lot of bad days out of teams. Arizona looked out of whack when they played them. Um, the Dolphins did not look good in the first half last week. The Jets are so bad that it doesn't even matter if it's a bad day for you. They just can't score points. Yeah, no, it's um, and we hope it works out that way. Um, and for you, you know, we want to do this for you to make sure that they keep losing. Yeah, and they should just shake hands at the yeah. 50 and be like, you get the win. We get the loss. Everybody's yeah. happy. Go home. Like we're, or do it on Zoom so you don't have to travel. Right. Yeah. Just, hey, we're good here. No right? injuries. We all know what needs to happen. Okay, cool. We, t- we actually recorded um, our preview pod before this because we're such early birds. You know, it, it was um, it, it was the same thing. It's like it's going to be tough to run on, on that defense. Quinn Williams, I loved him out of college and, and had a, you know, a weird year last year, but has came, came on this year for sure. Promising in that aspect, but we'll see how it goes and, and, and how it shakes out. But uh, I just I don't give a shit if it's three to zero. I, we just need a dub. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, yeah, just get, get the out of there, moving. get out of there and come back home for three games or whatever. You know, we're, we're kind of going a little bit longer than anticipated. I appreciate you hanging on here, but um, let's go betting. Okay. And we'll get into, so we do mortal locks every week. Right. And so we'll say, Hey, this is, this is our bet. And Micah is just kicking my ass all year. Right. And I, I, I love betting. I love getting into it and I love, it's just fun. It, it keeps everything fun and it, it gives you a reason to, to follow games that aren't even relevant. But as we are recording the recap episode this week um, from that shitty loss, I had the um, Seahawks minus six and a half. Okay. And so we're recording it Monday night and, and I was like giving live updates and I'm like, Hey, I'm good. I'm good here, dude. You know, and we keep going back and forth and, and whatever. And then as we're closing it out, the Eagles scored and went for two, like as we're, and I'm like, it was just devastating. Okay. So that's, and that's just how betting is right. It's just kind of, it's, it was a, it was a bad beat though, in a sense of like, you only get like maybe three of those a year that are that heartbreaking. Yeah. But what the, like, what the fuck? Like, why, why did they even do it? Like Doug Peterson had to know the spread, right? Like, what are we talking about here? They, they, the only thing I'll say is they do have a history of just going for two at times that the general public cannot explain. So there had to be some kind of chart that they have in house and my God, it, it does create for a hell of a story because that is just, it was devastating. It's as bad as it, it's, it's as bad as it gets. I, I didn't, I didn't put uh, money on them, but my pick and pool had them at five and a half. Oh. So it, it, I would have been, I would have been, I can't imagine how you feel. Yeah. Well, it's, frankly. yeah. I mean, I you know, imagine. I'm just playing the victim here, but it was, it was heartbreaking. I just want you to know that. But so we, um, so we did this before, um, but we have more to locks for this week. And so Micah had Jaguars plus 10 and a half. He's just on such a heater that he can bet Jaguars these days um, at the Vikings. I have Titans minus five and a half at home against the Browns. Um, any game that you feel good about this week or, or thoughts there? Let's take a look. Yeah, let's take a look. It's a weird week. I thought the lines were kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Um, I So in the in the in my pool, we have to do key picks, three of them. And I usually... I'll usually throw real money in on um, betting on those. And I have Jacksonville minus nine and a half. And I rode with, I'm riding with that. Like I I don't, I think Minnesota stinks right now. I think the only thing that's annoying. And I wonder if the line moved to 10 and a half is like, if Gardner was playing, it seems like a layup Mm -hmm. and they're just not playing him. Now, my theory with this game is I think Jacksonville comes out and doesn't score any points in the first half. And I think they bench Glennon and I think Gardner plays the second half. And I think Jacksonville wins Whoa. this game Wow! with Gardner. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, so that money line's gotta it, be crazy. So just, 
Yeah, I've been. I have not. I've been a coward against money lines this year because it's just been such a weird year. But I'll think about it. And then Seattle over the Giants is minus nine and a half. It's. It's. I mean, I think Daniel Jones stinks anyway, Mm -hmm. but I think it's Colt McCoy. Right. So uh, I don't know if the Giants can move the football in this game. And Seattle's defense is not good at all. But I don't think it matters. Mm -hmm. I, I think that. You know, that's a big line, but I think I think Seattle can cover that line. It's it's like a week of big lines. Yeah. Like Kansas City is minus 13 and a half against Denver. Everybody gets scared by the big Kansas City spreads all the time. They covered like 21 points against the Jets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they, they will cover the big lines. They will run this shit up. So I, I like the big lines this week for a couple of different reasons. I think the Chiefs cover. I think Seattle covers. I think Jacksonville uh, could win which is absolutely insane. And if all of these are wrong, you could have a field day. And, and then of course, one for you guys, Vegas should cover by a touchdown against Stop. the jets. Like Stop. <laughs> it's be, it's be, the only reason they're getting that phony line is because of the letdown game last week that Vegas loves to do this where they're like, Oh, people bet the jets, even though the jets could not move the football for a first down against Miami last week. And it is at the jets, which is a little funky for the Raiders. Yeah. I think the Raiders can cover a touchdown. Whatever, dude. Like, we don't – I don't need that juju going on right now. But, no, it, it is true. Vegas is so good. It's like – it's not just, like, analytics or data. They, they play people. It's like, mind games. Yeah, mind games. 100%. I look at the election. I don't know if you guys kept up with the election odds. I, yep. That was, like, some of the most, like, ridiculous mind games. They would have – going back and forth between like plus 700 and everyone's like oh my god so and so is gonna win yeah and then everybody dumps their money one way and then they pull it back yeah that's like some evil sports yeah. stuff. <laughs> well it was like it was um like a week before everything was it was like biden was plus like 325 or something like that and i was like what and then and then he moved to like minus 240 i don't know it was just crazy like they just kept moving it back and forth. that's funny it's actually hilarious that you can actually bet on that stuff but I know it's it. That's where I draw the line. Like, so I, it's a good betting story. I mean, not a good story, just like a story of how you could be an idiot with betting. Like I bet on football, as you know, college and NFL, and I love betting on the draft. And uh, I feel like I do well enough in it where it's not like, you know, it's for fun, but like I, it's, I feel like I do well enough in where I could always survive. But like this summer I was so bored because we were all stuck inside. I was like, let me start like having fun betting on baseball. I was horrific (laughs) betting on baseball is so hard to bet on. And maybe there's people listening that I'd be like, no, it's easy. It is the flukiest, especially during a pandemic year where like a game will be canceled or like two players can play. Um, So moral of the story I learned the hard way is I'm just going to stick to football. Hey, and that's, that's perfect plug. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. Um, Well, for baseball, I I've I've dabbled in that too, but it's like, Oh, well, they're up four to one. Thank God. Like I'm covering that. And then the utility switch hitting guy comes in and hits a, you know, a grand sum. You're like, what? And then it's over. And then, okay, cool. You know, it's it's, baseball's bad. It's, it's tough to bet on, but um, well, awesome, man. I, I guess we don't have to talk about this too long, but I'm not done with this. Just so you know, we're talking, we're exchanging, we're trying to set this up, right. You know, when we're, I'm like, Hey, you know, cool. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We'll, we'll get it lined up. And then, you know, it was like, Hey, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, this, that, and the other. And then you said something along the lines of, well, you know, Thanksgiving is cool, but like we have the Mecca of all holidays coming up, which is, I would imagine Christmas, unless you were talking about bowl season, on it do you honestly think christmas is better than thanksgiving as it as a holiday it's not even close okay well let's do this go thanksgiving is not even a top three holiday okay yeah all right well this <laughs> this, this change well let's let's just hear i'll hear you out and then we'll go you know? okay so i i have a bias with thanksgiving number one i find it extremely stressful because it's not like like christmas time like everybody just takes at least a, since I've been a bleacher report, everybody just goes off the grid for the final two weeks where it's like, I'm not squeezing in things to get done. I'm just done. I'm off the grid. Thanksgiving usually is the kind of week where you're still working the beginning of the week. Then I have to get down to my parents for the holiday at some point. And then I have to get to my extended families in the city at some point. And then I usually have to still go, this is all in 24 hours. Sure. I still have to come back to Jersey because I usually have to fly the next day for a game on Saturday. And then by the time Sunday comes around, I literally can't move with exhaustion 
and all I've gotten out of it, I got to eat some like turkey. That's the 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 payoff is turkey. It's not like Christmas where you can do like seven fishes or like really good Italian food or maybe you do st- whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. and you get like two weeks of just chilling, absolute chilling. Thanksgiving is a crammed holiday. Black Friday has to do with it as well. Not this year, but usually, yeah. which is just a horrible day. Absolutely terrible because I don't go shopping, but if you drive anywhere, all the other idiots are out there driving in you traffic for their, yes. So I don't leave the house usually, but I have to, because I usually have to fly. I remember the last time I was at LaGuardia airport, the worst place in the world or top three uh, on Thanksgiving, I got there and I had a flight. So I was going to Columbus for Ohio state. I don't even remember who they were playing. might've been Michigan. And they probably, <laughs> and as they always do for recently. <laughs> And I get to LaGuardia and mind you, it's like 4.30 a.m. Because like I knew I had a long trip to LaGuardia and I was like, hey, I, I you know, I want to get there early and fly through security. There was like 9,000 people online at LaGuardia where I was like so early for a flight and almost missed it. I made it to the gate on like the final call. And I'm just like, I hate Thanksgiving. This is the most crammed holiday ever. And I just I, I love being home with my family, but I'd rather just do it over a course of like a week than just one day. We're also like, Everybody loves the football aspect. We get the fucking Lions <laughs> so usually playing. We get the Cowboys are not fun to watch no. anymore. And the one game this year got moved yeah, that everybody cared one. about. <laughs> so the football is not even good anymore on Thanksgiving. And don't get me started when the Jets have to play Thanksgiving and get their <laughs> ass kicked. Thanksgiving sucks. Okay. <laughs> um, so what I have realized over that last three minutes that you just talked um, – is that you were just being nice to me when I was like, dude, how awesome is Thanksgiving? And you're, and you said, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's up there. It's one of one. This of- year was, this year was good because this year we weren't allowed to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do was go down to my parents and we had like the most simple Thanksgiving ever. And also I actually had like way too much PTO left over this year because everyone does pandemic. yeah it's no one's going on vacation yeah. Yeah. so i took the whole week off mm. nice so this is an outlier here mm. yeah. this is the the trevor lawrence was in the draft it, at number yeah, one this year is. and you have the number one i did nothing all week i went down and just went to my parents and then i ate and i mean the football was whatever but still yes this was a good thanksgiving the last couple little bit of turmoil Okay, that's fine. I, it's okay that you feel that way. You're entitled to feel how you want. It's a personal bias. That's it, it, but it, it, it's a personal topic. We're just we're just talking here. You know, I just I would argue, and I don't even want to talk about how you said that it's not even top three, but well, that could be two hours worth. But Christmas is if you want to talk about stressful buying gifts yeah. for family that you you for sure talk to and it's like but how the hell am i going to know what my 9 year old nephew wants you know what it's like it's it's like there's so much thought and like build up in 25 days of christmas and these shitty hallmark movies that are on it's like dude that is like it's so much hype for then you go open presents and give presents and you're like man i hope they like this and i hope my mom enjoys this rug that, or blanket that i got her it's like it's so much build up to be like oh and then hey do you mind getting the trash bag for all the wrapping paper it's like dude i don't live here it's like no but it's it's like so much that goes into it just to be like yeah that's fair it, it, but thanks i just think thanksgiving is like sure it's rushed and sure it's it's on a thursday which is wild but but it's food and football. But it's food and football. That's all it is. That's fair. That's all. I, it is. I get that argument. That that's it. That's all I have. And and I think on the bias side of our side is that we have with nieces and nephews and um, you know the extended family. There's like eleven or twelve of us. So when you're talking about the whole you know gift side of things, that that makes it more stressful. 100%. On that that, that is so. that is very stressful. I don't have any nieces or nephews and my extended family. We just do like white elephant. So like everyone's covered and you just bring one thing. Yeah. yeah. So like that's super, it's super minimal, which is nice. So I, I totally side with that. There's stresses of both of those holidays. There, the yeah. payoff can be really, really good. Like I said, Thanksgiving this year was, was amazing. And I know a lot of people aren't saying that because they're like, Oh my God, I couldn't do Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, Oh, I was actually, it was quite fine. Like 4th of July, great holiday oh. because all you have to do, it's summer. Uh, there's no football or any work going on for me. So basically it's like, okay, I can wake up, go where I have to go. Usually, usually down the beach, which is where my parents are. 
and you just drink for like 12 hours yeah. or as long as you want and you like play spike ball or you go <laughs> play volleyball and you go fourth of july is there's a, like certain holidays are just like way better when you're an adult mm -hmm. i've realized yep. like christmas is obviously like an elite kid holiday <laughs> i think it's thanksgiving can become a good adult holiday when it's simple like this but fourth of july is a great adult holiday oh yeah well and i and i, I told mike this and i was like i don't want to offend you but Christmas is the Mecca until you're like, until you have to buy presents. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like an, an, when you're just showing up and getting all these, <laughs> it's like, it's the dopest thing, you know? So, um, but I, I think we can, we can be on the same page and then just agree to disagree or whatever. But I think we can also agree on that spike ball is an all-time game, by the way. It's just, it's the best. It's taken over from Can Jam. I love Can Jam though too, man. It's, it's taken over. But Can Jam is like there's the there's more athleticism and, in spike ball. Yes, hundred percent. And so it, it you appeals show up to ready. you have to. Oh yeah, you're not showing up in jeans. Like Can Jam, you could just have you played um, Polish Horseshoes. It sounds awesome. I have no idea what that is, but okay, you'll you'll have to you have to Google it. And I want to make sure I use the right. Everybody has like ninety names for certain yeah. games now, so I always want to make sure I'm using the right thing. The version I play is like you have a bottle on a pole. And you and you throw the frisbee. Yep. But like like you whip the frisbee because the other team has to catch mm -hmm. it. And you have to catch the beer it's off a, of it, right? Or the bottle off of if it. If it hits if it's a thing, you're you one of you has to you, technically you could catch both, but nobody really does that. Yeah, you have to catch the bottle and the frisbee. It's a game that like people get hurt <laughs> like uh, like a lot like i was at a party and like a little kid got hit with the frisbee and i was like this is not a game for when like, <laughs> yeah it's uh, all the adults can be around uh it's a sneaky one if people are up for the challenge no i, I play that I, I don't i don't know what it's called but i play that it's it's super fun and, and you have to be like who's getting the frisbee and who's getting the bottle kind of deal um but yeah because it could just deflect off it and hit you in the tooth just like that you know it's, it's yes it's it's um it's dangerous but that's that makes it fun so um well hey man i we appreciate your time i know we're going a little bit over here from um you know a little bit just a hair um but no worries guys yeah but um you know this has been awesome you know we we appreciate it um is you know we talked about a little bit that stick to football has has come to an end um very sad but what's what's next for you if you can disclose anything or just kind of what are where's your career going well, obviously you know we're big fans and we're going to continue to follow you and respect and appreciate your takes and and kind of where you've gone but like what's what's next for you here yeah so I, i'm staying at bleacher report i know matt has announced that uh that he's leaving i'm i'm staying at bleacher report you know really happy here really happy with the way way things are going and and the way we get to do things and you know obviously the draft is going to be a big one this year because it is three days on the desk. Uh, I'm really looking forward to not doing it at home this year. Like I, I will, I really missed as much as it was easy with us because of our production team. Like it'll be nice being on the desk with Lefko again. And, you know, we'll see uh, the team we bring in because it won't just be me and Lefko. So covering the draft this year will be fun for all three days. Uh, I always look forward to that. And, and it's what I have my mind on right now uh, in the long term. But in the short term, you know, I want to get another draft show off the ground. And I've been vocal about that. And it's going to happen. You know, I'm expecting to, to do it under the Bleacher Report umbrella. I'm um, still covering the Jets with my Badlands pod and, and doing the Mets with the Mets pod because there's actually excitement around the Mets. But for me, it's it's the nitty gritty of the draft, covering the draft, covering the off seasons. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a pretty big off season too. It feels like a lot of GMs are, are being let go. A lot of head coaches will be let go. A lot of teams will be starting from scratch. And I'm kind of looking forward to being at the forefront of that. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm looking forward. I'll probably announce, you know, on Twitter and Instagram or whatever when, when a new show uh, goes live. But for me, it is absolutely the coverage of the NFL draft. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, we're excited to see where it goes. And, and hopefully, you know, I would imagine it's going to work out well for you, um, you know, with that, with that new draft show. And, and we'll see how the team assembles there. It, it was an all-time left co rant with Jalen Rager. Um, it was, that was classic. Um, but, and he's right so far. He's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, but no, it's, it's cool. Well, we appreciate it, man. Honestly, um, this has been great. It's good for us. And and we're just trying to, to, to get some outreach here and, and continue, um, moving this thing. So we appreciate you jumping on and, you know, 
good, good to connect. And, you know, if you, if you need some help on that NFL draft perspective, you know, Mike and I, you know, outside of our day jobs, you know, we can, <laughs> we can always, always dive in there. So. I love it, dudes. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again closer to the draft yeah. and, and talk about, you know, hopefully the Raiders are picking in a playoff spot. Yeah, hopefully yeah. In the, in the top 20. Yeah. And hopefully the Jets are picking number one. But really, thanks, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. cool. Right on, man. Really, really we appreciate, appreciate it. it.